How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up the line for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing this evening? And I say evening because we don't normally record around this time. We're recording at Tuesday at 545. So this is kind of a, a strange thing we're doing. But you know what? This worked in our schedules and this means I don't have to stay up until like one in the morning editing. So I'm totally cool with it. Yeah, no, we may hopefully we can get this out. Uh, tonight actually Tuesday same day as, as we, we have our discussion and um, I don't imagine we will get any uh, late breaking news tonight but um, yeah it's been a we, we, we debated whether or not to do the podcast yesterday um, I was actually um, so I think most people listen regularly know I live in Austin Texas which um, really hasn't been affected much by the, the hurricane the storm tropical storm whatever it is now uh, in kind of more coastal part of Texas, but I was actually with some of my in-laws who are all from Houston this weekend. So um, we ended up actually staying an extra day at this lake house we rented near Austin because uh, they weren't sure if they could get home. Fortunately, no, uh, it doesn't sound like anybody's house was flooded, but kind of a crazy, crazy weekend. I think I have a cold now, so a very weird weekend and and obviously, um, you know, crazy, especially to be here in Texas with all the stuff going on. But um, let's escape to basketball maybe for a little bit here. I think... um, that's, that's a more fun topic than flooding and uh, catastrophic weather. Um, and, yes, uh, it definitely I, is. I, I know we were planning on talking about the ESPN winds forecast came out a few weeks ago, and we were meaning to talk about that. And then today we had some more um, wind projections, sort of over-unders from Vegas come out today. And, and obviously, like, there are many different sports books, and, um, you know, we are, we are not gamblers. But um, they started making the rounds today. Um, and I think it's always an interesting discussion because it's a good time with the summer almost over and with presumably no more big moves to be made. Um, no, I, I am not expecting the Bucks to go nip in for Kyrie Irving despite whatever uncertainty might be existing over that trade. But um, probably not any huge moves left this summer. And so probably a good time to take stock of, of what our expectations are. And obviously you could say not a lot happened for the Bucks overall this summer in terms of the roster. Um and then we also figured we'd hold off just because there was the announcement around the Mecca game and when that will be happening, uh, October 26th against the Celtics, and they showed off some jerseys. So we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that um, toward the end as well because we know that people always have opinions about 
NBA basketball jerseys. <laughs> yeah, strangely enough, if there's one thing I found out this summer that I had, I, I just didn't know. People very much care about NBA basketball jerseys and what they look like. Like I, don't, I just thought I was like, okay, you know, it's fun, it's cool that they're around, but I had no idea that the passion ran so deep. So yeah, we can talk about that uh, at the end of the podcast. Okay, let's get into win projections. Uh, I guess uh, I don't even know how to kind of start this. There's a number of them. Uh, we can start there. And they can go in a number of different directions. Um, but I think for the most part, as you look across all of these, I think the lowest I've seen the Bucks is around 44. And I think the highest I've seen the Bucks is 48. Maybe you've seen something different than that. But I think that's kind of the high end and low end. And... I guess Frank, do you think that's about right? Do you think do you think it's weird that there isn't a, a bigger range? Um, I guess just what are your general thoughts on seeing that forty four to forty eight? Well, I, I think it's encouraging to see all these projections and and we're kind of mixing together, you know, some mathematical projections as well as the over unders um, coming out showing a clear improvement over last year. And I think we've always been wary of. You know, assuming that that the Bucks' improvement will just be linear and like, oh, every year they're just going to keep getting better and better. And and obviously, we were especially paranoid last year after the Chris Middleton injury in particular about whether they could um, get to be where they were. I think you know we were probably without the Chris Middleton injury, we could have certainly foreseen them getting to to where they were um, at 42 and 40 last year. Their um, expected one loss was only 40 and 42 based on point differential last year. So important to note that just because as we often mention point differentials over a longer period, typically a better predictor of success than um, than just pure wins and losses. Because, you know, again, uh, the old adage, great teams win blowouts. They don't necessarily win close games. Um, but it's certainly encouraging to see sort of the the over-unders that we've seen. So the, the one that we saw today um, that came out, and I forget which, you look it up while I'm talking about it. I think it was 47 and a half, and I, I forget which, Westgate. which. Westgate, yeah. So. And again, whether Westgate is the absolute best sports book, I'm not sure. I think the Las Vegas Superbook also had odds. I saw today had the Bucks at the exact same number. Um, so seeing them at 47 and a half is, um, you know, certainly uh, I would say an encouraging thing. I think I think a year ago they were a shade under 40. I want to say when um, is that right? Or am I am I projecting? I think it was a shade under 40 for the Middleton injury. I want to say. Um, I was thinking it was. 40 and a half. I don't know why that okay. number sticks in my head, but I think that was okay. It. So, um, gives you kind of some sense, you know, there's not that far off a year ago. And, um, I think probably the most interesting thing is, is again, that, that a lot of these statistical models, you know, Kevin Pelton at ESPN a few weeks ago used, it's basically an RPM predi predicted model. So taking real plus minus from ESPN, which, um, from Kevin he used to do a different type of forecast and found RPM was better. Um, you know, again, just using basically all the players predicted RPM um, numbers. And they, I believe they use a multi-year uh, predictive RPM rather than just the one-year RPM that you can find on the ESPN website just because multi-year is more, uh, more, I guess, more you know, better better predictor than, than one year. Um, and he had the Bucks at, at 47 wins, and he's making some assumptions around minutes, projections, and things like that. But, um, you know, very close to, to the over-under, basically. And it's been interesting because I think just kind of you know, to, to, I guess to provide a little more detail around what you were mentioning about some of the range stuff, 
um, and this isn't all inclusive, and I'm sure we'll see other projections come out as well. Um, uh, Andrew Johnson, who writes at Nylon Calculus, uh, a guy that I've followed for a long time and always, um, you know, I think he's a guy that's very well regarded in the statistical community. He had the Bucks at 44 wins, so he had them at sort of the low end of that range. Um, and then uh, Jacob Goldstein, another guy who does interesting work, you've probably seen me retweet him. Um, he had the Bucks at, I believe, 48 wins, I want to say. Um, 47.1. Yeah, 47.1. So all kind of, you know, the numbers and, and as well as just the Vegas and the line um, all sort of trending in the same direction, which is up. And I think that's got to be a very good thing because um, I know I've, I, I'm going to be doing the, the Dunked On podcast with, with Nate Duncan here in maybe a week or two. And we'll be going into uh, uh, the, our Bucks projections and I'll have to give some prediction of how good the Bucks are going to be this year. So I've been thinking about what I will predict and i think we'll get into that here in a minute but um I, I, you know certainly it feels good to see sort of all those numbers kind of trending in in the right direction and um i know we've talked about you know how likely 50 wins was and what would have to happen um so i don't know i mean give me your thought like did, did those numbers whether it was the, the modeled numbers or the vegas numbers i mean are those surprising to you or do you feel like yeah that makes sense and i don't know does that differ from if you had to pick a number today, is it, is it a very different number from what we're seeing in those models? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's those numbers are probably about right. I think that range is reasonable. And as you take a look at that Bucks team last year, they win 42 games. Um, obviously, at the, you had mentioned the Pythagorean was around 40 wins. So this is obviously guessing that the team is going to get better. But when you look at that team and the fact that Middleton only ends up playing, uh, I think like 23 or 24 games, somewhere in there. And you add a player of his value. And I mean, it was even a down year for him last year at 14. So you add, you would imagine a full season of Chris Middleton to Giannis. Um, and obviously you lose Jabari, but I think you would assume that that team's even better. Giannis takes a step forward. Thon takes a step forward. Um, maybe even Brogdon takes a step forward. So I think there's there's some reasonable ways to see that this team would get better. And I, I, I think those numbers make a lot of sense. Now, am I on the high side or low side of those numbers? I'm, I think I'm still trying to get through that. And I think as I look from 44 to 49, that range seems reasonable. When I look at 47 and a half as an over under, oh man, I think that's where it gets tough. Uh, just because I'm not really sure which direction they go and uh, what team they end up being. And it, you, you can kind of see even last year, they were so bad in clutch situations. And again, that's where you start to see deviations from where your Pythagorean should be. Like if you end up winning some of those games and again, it can just be luck based at times. And sometimes teams really truly have a knack for winning close games. Uh, but that can kind of be the difference. So uh, 47 and a half feels like a really good line. <laughs> um, I I think most of the time I'm more pessimistic, but I just look at the way Giannis played last year and kind of imagine him continuing to grow and get better. And, oh, I think I need to think through it a little bit more, but I think I'd probably take the over, but I don't feel great about it. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I think I've been a little torn because I think my natural inclination is also to be more conservative and, um, 
you know, I, I think that the, the theme, though, that I want to look at this team going into next season, and, and I think a lot about, you know, point differentials and where they're going to be offensively and defensively. And um, I was curious because when I was trying to think, OK, well, what does this what does a, a, a 47 win Bucks team look like? What does a 50 win Bucks team look like? My first thought was like, OK, well, what on paper? You know, what what do what did the teams that were close to that range last year look like? And it was interesting because my first thing to look at was to to look at the records and the rankings of the two teams that, you know, would seem like the obvious ones that you target if you're a Bucks team trying to be a top four seed. And that's, you know, looking at Washington and Toronto. And, you know, it's interesting because Toronto um, won 51 games. Um, they had uh, a Pythagorean relationship of expected win loss of 52 and 30. Um, and they had an offensive rating of 112. I'm using basketball reference here, so it's a little bit different if you look at it on like NBA.com just because they use a different pace number. But um, offensive rating of 112, which was sixth, and a defensive rating of 107.8, which was 11th. So they were they were a very good team on both ends, and and they needed you know to be that good to to win 52 games, or sorry, 51 games. Um, and you know for reference, the Bucks last year were at a little over 109 on both offense and defense. So again. You know they'd have to prove pretty substantial, pretty notably on offense, and and then improve. You know notably, you know add, you know get better by at least a point per game, or a point per 100 possessions on defense as well. Um, interesting because Washington really was not as good. If you look at the numbers, they had a Pythagorean expected one loss of I believe 46 wins. I think they were basically like a plus two, um, about 111 points per 100 scored, about 109 allowed. So um, they were seventh in offense and 20th in defense. So they were really a team that got by on, on offense. And so you could, you know, maybe paint a picture. They were very similar exactly the bucks were defensively. And then they were just better offensively by a couple points per 100. So, you know, you can kind of talk about some different scenarios. Well, if you want to be a 51 team, um, you're going to have to have a point differential Pythagorean wise of, of over plus three um, to do that. You know, you probably need to have for this bucks team, uh, you probably need to get maybe a little bit better offensively, and then you need to get, I think, a lot better defensively. And I think that's really, for me, the big question is how good can this team be uh, defensively? Last year, I think they were 19th by basketball references um, rankings, 13th on offense. And I, I just look at this team, especially with Jabari out for most of the year. Greg Monroe is coming back, but they have no excuse not to be a top 10 defensive team, right? Like, I think, you know... I think Jason Kidd, uh, again, we've talked all the time about how stubborn they've been about their defense, um, the style they play. And, I, you know, the irony is I think they probably have a lot of the types of athletes you would need to play the kind of style they play, which is very aggressive. Um, obviously, they trap a lot. Um, they double randomly in the post more than probably it make, would make any sense. Um, you know, but but bottom line is, I mean, th this I think what you have now defensively, especially if you think about a team that would projects to start Malcolm Brogdon, very versatile, big, strong defensive point guard, uh, Tony Snell, similar deal, right? Can guard one through three, you know, not a lockdown defender, but very versatile, work hard, um, can switch, do lots of different things. Chris Middleton, basically stronger version of Tony Snell, smart defender. Um, Giannis, obviously, you know. Um, I've just been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, so you know I just think of you know a fire-breathing dragon who just can be a you know trump card in any type of situation, um, an all-defensive guy right last year. So you know Giannis yeah. can a lot, probably can still even impact games more than he has maybe defensively. And then at center, Thon, who again 
will probably hurt you on the defensive boards, but does so much in terms of his ability to defend pick and rolls. I mean, that the numbers they put up with either Brogdon or Della Vadova in those lineups last year, we've talked about this, they put up sensational defensive numbers with those lineups, and they, those lineups were very good in the second half of the season after Middleton came back. Now, their, their point differential with Middleton actually overall as a team was no better than it was before Middleton came back. They really got lucky. You know, we talked about the clutch stuff. They were horrible in the clutch early in the season. They lost too many close games, probably. Lost too many games they shouldn't have lost early in the season. And then late in the season, they won won too many of those games to the point where they ended up actually yep. outperforming their Pythagorean. So I think the thing when I think about this team and what it's going to, you know, what does it take to get better? Um, I think to me it's, you know, can they live up to, I think, their potential defensively and I don't think, you know, when we talk, we talk a lot about oh, Jason Kidd's system. And I, I don't really hear people talk that much about, like, well, what would you do differently? And I don't I don't think the Bucks, like, especially with Thon um, and Giannis, I don't think they should be this, like, you know, super conservative, you know, type of defense necessarily. Like, I don't think Thon Maker should, like, zone drop every time on a pick and roll, right? Like, no. just run back to the rim. I mean... If you have guys like that, the whole point is that Giannis can hedge and recover and Thon can hedge and recover. And they can do things that you can't normally do. So, I mean, like, for instance, like pick and roll, like I don't think the Bucks necessarily are like screwing themselves with their pick and roll coverage or something like that. I think, you know, they probably just do some things probably a bit too more too aggressively than they need to. Like maybe they help off of, you know, the weak side you know, uh, corner corner guy too much, right? So you get those open threes. Maybe they, um, you know, just try to be so aggressive closing out on guys or doubling guys in some cases when it's just like you don't need a double guy in the post, you know? Like we, we know that post post play is not efficient way for a team to score. So just let them go one-on-one. I think we saw a little bit of that as the year went on, but um, I think that's the big question for me. And, I, you know, again, I, this is sort of like it's frustrating that it comes down to this, but I think – you know, again, with the with the roster they have right now, zero excuse. If this is not a top ten defensive team, which they have not been in the last couple of years, again, nineteenth last year. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know how Jason Kidd can kind of like what excuse. I mean, he can't trot out Jabari, which it seems like was an excuse last year. Yep. You know, he can't. It, Greg Monroe was fine last year. Um, it, again, there's just there's no more excuses, right? Continuity. There's no excuse on continuity. This is basically the exact same team as we saw a year ago. If they can't figure this system out, then it's, you know, do something then do something different, right? And again, the problem is they're not gonna scrap their whole scheme, you know, probably from last year. It doesn't sound like they intend to do that. And they're not gonna just do it mid season if something doesn't go well. So but but I'd also don't think they need to completely change everything. But I think again, there are probably some things around the edges they can do to just be maybe a little smarter, a little less aggressive at times, while still having the ability to be aggressive selectively and use those athletes. So I think a top 10 defense, maybe they're, you know, eighth, ninth defensively. Maybe they can, I don't know if they're going to get a lot better offensively. I think having Middleton um, can help. But honestly, a lot of their, their the change in terms of the roster sort of like after Jabari came back, it wasn't necessarily that they were better offensively because as we talked about, they played so much slower. So I don't know if they're going to get a lot better offensively. But let's say they could be 10th in offense, 10th in defense. Um, maybe they're not quite as good as what we saw from the Raptors, at least from a statistical perspective last year were. But maybe they can be a team that is a plus three, plus four. I think there's certainly ways you can see this team getting to 50 plus wins. Um, but I was, if I was going to create like a 90% confidence interval, so like you know 90% of the outcomes would be between these two numbers. Um, I think there's scenarios where maybe even you know, and I'm, I'm assuming that neither Giannis nor Chris has like a really horrible injury. Um, I think there's scenarios where you know, just stuff doesn't fit well. Young guys don't get better. Blah blah blah. 
kid loses the team and they win 38 games or something like that. You know, like I think there's that that could happen. Um, but I do think there's also a 52 win scenario somehow if everything kind of hits right. So I would say maybe in my my number, I'll still maybe be a little conservative just because I can't shake my my inner Bucks fandom um, too much. So maybe I'll say like 45, 46 wins. Um, but I think, you know, again, this is sort of a season I think where a lot of the excuses go away. We know they're not a title winning team right now. We know I don't think they're a team I would expect to go to the East Finals. Um, but I think it is, we are sort of at the point now where if they don't win a first round playoff series, if they don't, you know, get in that, that discussion for first round home court, um, and they don't win in those high, in the high forties range, mid to high forties, I think, you know, the, the excuses, I think, especially for Jason Kidd are, are going to start to run out. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny to think about the defense because it's been so maligned for the last two years, ever since things started I mean, ever since things went downhill because it was a good defense in the first year and uh, I think it was really taking teams by surprise and then obviously that hasn't been the case in the last two years and it's just interesting that now they arguably have the personnel best suited for that that defense. That Certainly in the starting lineup and even on the second unit, you probably have a guy in Sterling Brown that you would expect to pick it up pretty well. Uh, you have a guy in DJ Wilson that should have some length. Whether or not he's a great defender, he's long and he has some athleticism and he can do some of those things. Greg Monroe is going to understand the defense better than he ever has. And last year he really figured out how to kind of handle his limitations. Delhi coming off the bench, Delhi should be able to kind of point guard the defense and try to help out with all that. So uh, really up and down that roster, you mentioned how in the starting lineup there's no excuse to that. I mean, even on the bench, there's probably limited excuses. You should be able to find a way to be at least somewhat solid defensively, even with the bench. And then with the starters, it should be good. Undoubtedly, with that personnel, that defense should work um, as long as, as you mentioned, you make some adjustments and stop doing the things where – I don't want to say you're giving away points, but to an extent you are where you see a, a pick and roll on the right side if, against James Harden. And for some reason you're not covering the guy in the left corner because you want to bring him across to 2.9 or I, I don't really know why you bring him across early and Harden just tosses a pass to the corner. And it's an easy three. You cut back on some of those. Uh, maybe you cut back on the insane double teams that just don't really seem to make a lot of sense especially against non-star players like at times i can understand being aggressive in doubling mid post short corner block touches for stars but if it's jason smith like no don't ever double i mean i don't even know if you need to cover him with one person like don't double him uh, so I think trying to <laughs> trying to figure out some of those things, like you said, if you can make some of those changes on the periphery, you should be able to put together a solid defense. And then offensively, I think it's just going to kind of continue to be the maturation of Giannis and how he continues to become an even better distributor, creator, and do all those things. And and like you said, last year this team. I mean, for as much as we complain about an offense that isn't all that creative, an offense that may not shoot enough threes, like, they were still 13th offensively. And I don't know if 
once Jabari went down, you felt like there was a lot of really great offensive players on that team. Giannis certainly was, Monroe was, and Middleton was okay, but clearly didn't have his legs back last year. Uh, so they still managed to be 13th with all of those complaints. So I think that only goes higher. And I think what what I've been kind of fascinated with in the last little while is that when we were discussing Kyrie Irving and stuff like that, and people were like, well, if you're going to do that, then your defense is just going to be awful. And why would you bring in a guy that can't play defense? And it's like, well, as bad as this sounds like, it to me – to build a 50-win team, you you it, you can get to 50 if you're good in both categories. The one way I think you can get 50 wins is to be elite in one category, whether that's offense or defense. If you are in the top five in either of those, I feel pretty good about you winning 50 games. And again, you can find some you can you can find some exceptions to that. I think Denver was in the top five in offense last year and didn't win 50 games and you can go back and you're going to find some exceptions to that general rule, but I would say 80% of the teams that finish top five in offense or defense tend to win 50 games. So that was why, to me, the Kyrie Irving stuff was interesting because then you can just be elite in the one thing that you're really good at and then work to be mediocre in the other and you're going to win a bunch of games. But being just good in each of those makes kind of everything to me at least a little bit more difficult where everything has to be a little bit more exact everything has to be a little bit more perfect and you have to play super well on both sides of the ball and find a way on the margins to keep edging that number closer to uh, a higher number in the rankings closer to a top five than to a top 10 like i i just i've been a big believer in that and maybe you would disagree with that notion but i just think the easiest way to get to 50 wins is be a lead in something rather than be good on both sides of the ball but i think the challenge is you know sitting here in, in august you know do can we can we project the bucks to be elite in anything and i, I just you know again last year i Absolutely believe not. It, I, yeah. I don't i don't think there's any chance right i mean last year you know the the challenge was um you know defensively just not being able to get to above average right and i know we talked long and hard about can the bucks be an average defense i think that was a big talking point for us before the season i think we both yep. expected the bucks to be below average i think we did like an over under and i don't i don't think i'm just making that up um but you know we, we basically i think said, it hey, was will will they be above the top 20 in defense and i think we both picked the under i think it was 50 i think it was 50 i think we said above average or below average I wanna, but e either way they yeah. were right around you know nineteen twenty, um and and really didn't you know show a dramatic improvement from from the year before um I think the, you know, the, the challenge is so it, can this team become elite at anything? Um, again, you don't project that. Um, you know, last year I believe was the first time Jason Kidd had ever coached a team that was above average offensively. Yep. Um, and we've obviously seen, you know, in the last in his three tenure in Milwaukee, he came out again, you know, top I think second ranked defense of that first year, um, and then has been obviously below average the the two years that that followed. Um, I mean, again, like which one is more likely? Well, I, I mean, they're not going to be. I, I just don't think they have anywhere close to the willingness or personnel to be a top off offense, just from a three-point shooting standpoint. Yep. I just don't think Jason Kidd is wired as a coach to just have teams to have you shoot a ton of threes. And let's be honest, um, the teams that are going to score the most points, the teams that are going to have the best offenses 
at this point are still the teams that are willing to shoot the most threes and have the ability to hit the most threes. And yep. granted, you know, a team like Houston doesn't necessarily shoot even that high a percentage, but um, they stretch the floor out so well that that they just become, you know, they're so good um, overall. And I'm sure with Chris Paul, um, they're not going to have too many problems scoring points this year. Um, I will say this, though. I think, you know, if we want to talk about how the offense improves, um, I think, you know, again, our, our all our, our annual call for Chris Milton to shoot more threes. He did not do that <laughs> last year. Um, I think, though, on the plus side, you know, you're going to start a center, presumably in Thon, um, who will get three-point shots up, which obviously, you know, a traditional center doesn't do that at all. So having that dimension, I think, helps. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we joke about Malcolm Brogdon and Matthew Dalvadova's uh, revolutionary warm muskets and how long it takes for them to, to load up threes, even though they both hit good percentages. Um, I'm curious to see if they get their three-point rate up, three-point rates up, um, because they both attempted fewer than three per game last year in, in 26 minutes each. Um, and then probably the biggest X factor in, in the shooting side, which is, you know, Giannis. You know, can can Giannis actually start to make some threes at a respectable rate? And we talk about that usually in terms of the impact on his game and how how you know transcendent he would tr become even beyond what he is now if he started to make some threes with consistency. Um, you know, last year he ever Can you put a percent chance on that? Because I'm to the point now where I don't even think about that in the off season. Like, and and I think that's maybe a crazy and silly thing to do, where I'm not even thinking about him adding a three point shot. But I I think I'm just kind of to the point where I'm not gonna believe that it's gonna happen until it happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, like do, do I? And I think we, we for a while were saying, oh, well, you know, the assumption was like, oh, he's got to add that in order to kind of make this next leap. And then he made the leap anyway without <laughs> yeah, really correct. adding that, that side to his game. Um, I, I think there is a very decent – I mean, I think there's like a 50% chance that he'll be a low 30s three-point three shooter this year, which – um, with with higher volume, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, again, like I don't think you want Giannis shooting tons of threes, right? I mean, you don't – that's not necessarily something that makes sense either. Um given how good he is going to the basket and, you know, finishing at the rim and, and drawing fouls. But um, could he be a low 30s, two-point percentage shooter? Maybe some at some point he'll, he'll sneak into the mid to high 30s. Uh, I think that's very possible. You know, I think we've talked about different, you know, star players who maybe didn't come into the league as great three-point shooters. You know, Carmelo and LeBron were, were not great three-point shooters for, for a very long time. You know, for, it took them quite a while. Um, more than just a few seasons to to get to the point where they became respectable three point shooters. You know, LeBron's been kind of off and on even uh, the last few years, yeah. but um, but I think that that that's something. There's a lot of precedent for it taking a, a little while. And again, um, you know, I think whatever mechanical tweaks the Bucks have made uh, on Giannis' shot over the past few years, it doesn't seem like he's ever really settled down into sort of a stable mechanical rhythm um just a bunch of snowflakes just a bunch of it sucks that we started using that term and then it became like this big yeah, political term no it's not great sucks. it's we, not great for us no we we lost we lost the ability to call every Giannis jumper a snowflake because they're all different but um yeah but uh but yeah i think there's like a 50 percent chance he becomes like a 30 plus percent well even probably even higher than that because i mean 27 percent we shot last year is like one of the worst numbers in the league for a guy who yeah. shot that many threes. And I mean, Giannis has some touch, right? I mean, he's not like a guy who is a bad free throw shooter or something like that. He's not Josh Smith. Um, so I, I think he can, I think he can become like a respectable, but he's going to be like a good three point shooter. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think you, you plan on that, but, um, but if, if obviously if you did become a guy who shot three to four threes and hit 32% um, and teams suddenly start to think, Oh, we actually have to, you know, 
respect that a bit more. I and mean, we joked last year. I mean, you you would always bring it up anytime. Got, I mean, teams would go for his pump fakes from three point range, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and and if you start to make some, then then they go for it even more. So um, I think that that's obviously an X factor, uh, just in terms of I think just the and the engine of the offense. And I think also, I mean, the Bucks were were a very bad team. I think they were maybe the worst in the league in terms of isolation last year. They just didn't, and this I think yeah. plays into the clutch stuff. Um, Giannis is at this point not a, a good player when he's just got to go get a bucket in an ISO standpoint. He's still more of a flow of the game type guy. He can score in many different ways, but he's not a, just a you know ISO from 18 feet and and go score points. It, you know the the synergy numbers support that. That this is not quite where he is right now. Chris Middleton was not good at that last year. Uh, historically, Chris has not been a good clutch player either, even though you know we joke about his tough shot express thing. That's a real problem, I think. The, his willingness to kind of settle for mid-range jump shots, which also plays into the three-point, you know, lack of, of high three-point volume. Um, and really, I mean, Greg Monroe has been kind of the most reliable guy when you need buckets, the guy you can go to. And um, that's why I think, you know, I'm, I wasn't sad about seeing Greg Monroe opt in and stick around, even though, you know, it perpetually sounds like the Bucks are willing to move him. I think because of that in particular, which necessarily doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet or you wouldn't necessarily assume, you know, the average fan wouldn't necessarily assume that like, oh, Greg Monroe is actually very useful as a bucket getter in ways that even Giannis isn't at this point. Um, I think that would really hurt them if, if they were to move him. So um, so I think it'll be interesting to see because I think certainly getting respectable from a clutch perspective, because you can't just say like, oh, they're worse in the league because they're young. It's like, no, there are lots of young teams. They're above <laughs> average offensively overall. There's no excuse for them to be that bad. So, you know, we've we've kind of bludgeoned it to death. You know, I know that they try to use a lot of deli pick and rolls to get other guys the ball like Giannis, but um, I think they need to be a bit more creative this year. And obviously having Brogdon in there more as a ball handler, I think would help as well, even though he's not, you know, he's not Chris Paul, but, um, but hopefully between Giannis improving, Chris getting his legs back, being fully healthy, um, hopefully they can be better late in games and hopefully they can kind of be a, a better kind of all around team. So, um, so I don't know. So I guess, I guess the bottom line is good, good sign to see, you know, the models predicting the bucks to be a fair bit better this year than last year. Um, nice to see Vegas respecting it, although that doesn't really matter a whole lot. Um, I'll take the shade under just because I'm still, uh, you know, a, a cynical Bucks fan. <laughs> um, but again, I think there are scenarios where um, this team with good health and, and development from some of the key guys, I think there are there are paths for them to get to 50 plus wins. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, I think a lot of this is is really becomes a referendum on, on Jason Kidd's ability to to get guys to. Um, conform to this system defensively, which, you know, has, I think, some strategic question marks, but also demands a lot of precision, which oftentimes you don't get from from a young team. But it, now he's got, I think, the type of athletes, the type of players to execute, what, you know, a, a riskier defensive scheme. And I think um, he's got also the continuity now that, you know, you can't just claim that guys guys aren't used to it or, or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Any other kind of thoughts on, on that at this point? Um, I think... I think a bunch of the stuff we've obviously talked about in the past sticks out, but um, as far as whether or not it's 50, I think I'm below 50, but above the 47 and a half, just because I doubt the elite nature of either the offense or defense, but I do think that they both can improve this season. Um, and maybe they just improve as maybe a function of Giannis getting better because as he gets better, the team's going to get better. Um, but I, I do think some of the stuff you mentioned, 
every year I'm going to try to do like the offensive style piece. And maybe some people might remember that on Brew Hoop last year where I try to show like the play types and kind of how all of that works out. And offensively, they're not good in isolation and they're not good when the pick and roll ball handler tries to score. And those are the, those are the two things that this offense does not do well. And is there things that they don't scheme very well for that? Yes, I would certainly say there is. But also there's just the fact of they don't have those guys. Like, as good as Giannis is, he's not great in isolation. He's not great in scoring on pick and roll uh, ball handler situations where he's the ball handler coming off the pick and roll. Because a lot of times when that happens, they'll just double. Or they can go underneath the screen. Or whatever they can do, they can put bodies in his way where he'll have to either force something or kick it to Delhi or Brogdon and they won't be able to get a shot off quick enough because they don't have very quick shots. So I, I just think there's there's certainly room for improvement, but the ways in which they're limited offensively are obvious. And I think on defense, obviously the way that they play. Like we've mentioned for the last, oh my God, so ever since I've been on the Brew Who podcast, um, so that's a year before lockdown, maybe a year and a half before lockdown, then the entire year of us doing lockdown, like this defense, Mori balls teams, which is not a good thing. They are getting teams to shoot corner threes and threes in general, and they're getting teams to shoot layups. Not good. Uh, those two shots are not shots you want to give up, and this defense gives up a lot of them. So if they can manage to find a way to keep that pressure up while also limiting some of those things okay this defense can get better but also that's always i, I think to me just going to be a limiting factor that no matter how aggressive it is no matter how many turnovers it has no matter how late they force teams in the shot clock at some point they're just giving up the easiest slash best shots that you can give another team and that's going to limit the defense so um I think I feel good going over 47 and a half just because my optimism with Giannis is very high, but I'm also concerned about those things that could limit the team and not willing to go to 50 wins. So I guess that means they either are going to get 48 or 49 this year. Um, maybe I'll figure <laughs> that out in the next little while. Um, but I guess that's where, that's where my current prediction has them. Yeah. And I, and I think the thing is too, I mean, you know, I think what we got wrong last year when we when we look at like our predictions, you know, we thought after the Middleton injury that, you know, they weren't going to be able to get to 40 wins that that Middleton was too important. And I think, you know, interesting. I mean, we kind of like we were not we were we thought Giannis was going to score 20 points a game. We, you know, we thought he was going to put up obscene numbers. I think we were not sure if that was going to translate to to having like sort of that huge impact on winning quite yet. And I think yep. what we saw was that that happened really, especially in the first half of the season. You know, we, I mean, interestingly that the bucks were, I think were better without with Giannis on the bench the last few months of the season, but especially early on, I mean, it was such a stark difference, right? Like they were phenomenal with him on the, in, on the court and they were terrible with him off the court and he was really carrying them. So, um, I think, you know, that that's obviously such a huge storyline again, right? Like, okay, he's, he's arrived, but I mean, are you going to tell, are, are you going to bet that, Giannis isn't going to score, you know, 26 points per game on the same efficiency that he had last year, which was terrific. You know, I mean, especially with Jabari out and, yeah. and you know, Chris not being necessarily a dominant type guy. I mean, I don't think there's any, any, 
any reason you'd bet against Giannis at this point, given that he has just continued to get better every year, every year, every year, and given where he is in his aging progression, um, you know, as long as God willing, you know, his his knee is is fine and he's you know healthy. Um, I think that again, this is a guy who continuing to get better, and um, that's obviously huge. And I think too, like you know, when we look at the rest of the roster, you know, I think we didn't talk about Tony Snell. Certainly, Snell not being a flash in the pan, especially as a shooter, is important. You know, he was obviously a critical guy from a shooting perspective last year. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side, though, Mirza Toledovich. I mean, that was you know probably the worst season of Mirza Toledovich's career, and you know he's uh, I think got a chance to you know, make amends for that this year and hopefully have a bounce back year. And again, if he's a guy that shoots, you know, a, a higher percentage this year, if he does a little bit more, um, if he stops pump faking and missing layups, um, I think that <laughs> you know, he can definitely, because, you know, we, we, we always joke about it, but the Bucks were still very good with Mirza on the court last year for whatever reason. Um, especially, ironically, they were better. They were really good defensively, defensively yeah. uh, which is just kind of maybe something that, that um, people maybe over index on you on Mirza's lack of mobility and, and forget that, you know, he's not a dumb defender and he has a strong body and he can do something. So, um, so anyway, I think it'll be interesting to see, obviously I'd feel better about this team if, um, uh, they, they do manage to bring back my guy jet, uh, got to get a jet plug in there at some point. Um, but, uh, we'll see, I think, um, you know, August 31st is the deadline for being able to stretch players over multiple years. Um, basically, it's the stretch deadline. So for Spencer Hawes in particular, we've talked a lot about, you know, the Bucks could. Just like him. we're going to have another Spencer Hawes deadline day. I was not. Yeah, ready exactly. For that. Oh, man. Um, every every few months. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, if they waive him this week, basically, uh, they could stretch his six million dollar salary over three years. Uh, get under the luxury tax comfortably, um, resign Jet or another veteran up to about two and a half million dollars and be under the tax, um, and kind of not have to worry about it. Again, there are a lot of ways to get under the tax um, during the season. You only have to be under it at the end of the year to to avoid the tax. But um, certainly, if you're banking on oh, we're just going to trade Greg Monroe or we're just going to trade Spencer Haas, well, um, that's that you're you're taking risk um, that you may have to give up assets to do that, which obviously you you would not want to do. So so we'll see. Um, the uh, I tweeted this out and and I, I hadn't I think I we finally have some um, Tony Snell official numbers, which kind of were what we expected nine point eight million starting salary. The hilarity of that is that that is indeed his number. Then um, even if you know if the Bucks waived uh, Gary Payton the second, who has a non guaranteed deal. Even if the Bucks did that, they would be for just a mere forty-seven thousand over the luxury tax, um, as it stands, are about <laughs> one point four million over. And uh, when I said that, our friend Ben Thompson uh, got really angry. Um, I, I mean, I, it's kind of an interesting question. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't just t- tell Tony Snell, like, "Hey, man, you're going to take forty-seven thousand less as a starting salary, <laughs> just in case." Um, but uh, where'd you see and- those numbers? Sorry. Um, I, I think uh, I think Basketball Insiders had it, and it. I think um, I'm trying to think if Bobby Marks had it as well. But um, but basically, that's what you need to get to if you take max raises on that. I think you get to 44 million even over four years. So um, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it also underscores the fact I just don't think the Bucks had any intention of of carrying. I think they want to carry 15 guys, and um, I think they always plan on having to make another move. So again, but still, you know, it's just sort of like, man, you could. Make, give yourself that much more flexibility if you just yeah. got that a little less. But anyway, um, let's go. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, let's move on to news. You good with that? Yep. 
All right, so news of the day. Uh, the Bucks announced their Mecca game, and it will take place on Thursday, October 26th on TNT against the Boston Celtics. Uh, so that was kind of the news. They also released their uh, classic jersey. I believe that's the official term for all of these. I, I don't even know what that leaves left. The players' tradition, players' feelings, players' emotions. Um, and community-inspired. There you right? go. The, those are the ones. Sorry, I shouldn't, shouldn't disrespect their marketing. Um, so, yeah, classic edition came out. Uh, they were the... What are those? Sixty-eight to seventy-one version, I think. Seventy-two, I think. Yeah. It does. Okay. Um, I can't remember how far it goes, but white jerseys. There's a small buck head on the left leg. Um, Maybe the best part of those jerseys isn't that an awesome buck head on the on the shorts? I agree. Those look so good. Um, Also, I had to see old school bango today, which is just terrifying because old school bango scares me. Um, So that was. A great way to start my morning um other than that though i don't know if there's really anything all that newsy there we can talk about jabari parker in a second but um that was pretty much it i i know i had predicted on here that it was going to be uh later in the year against the wizards i think that dates february 26th that was another national tv game um it didn't end up being that one and i'm sure the bucks probably would have enjoyed for that to be uh, later in the year because I think a national TV game against the Celtics is going to sell out no matter what. So maybe a, a game later in the season, you'd want a little bit more help there. But I think it's pretty cool that they're going to play the Celtics, obviously a team that the Bucks have, I mean, were rivals with during the Mecca years. That, that was a team that, as Johnny Mac said during the announcement, beat them in game seven in the Mecca in 74. Um, that was a team that throughout the 80s was a thorn in the Bucks' side. So um, I almost think it's appropriate that they're playing them. And um, I had Adam Michael on Twitter send me the Celtics new uniforms with the G logo and said Celtics unveiled their retro jersey for the Mecca game as well because the Celtics jerseys have never changed. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so... I think that's about it for that game. Anything else you wanted to hop in on? Well, I'm bummed that it's a midweek game because I would have loved to come back for the Mecca game. But, um, you know, as you said, I mean, this is a, a game that you'd expect, you know, it's sort of a, a, a trump card type game. You want to pick like a bad date almost to make the Mecca game just because, you know, you can sell yeah. that out. But obviously picking a game against uh, Boston early in the season uh, on national TV, it, it's probably going to be a game that people want to go to anyway. So, um, so, yeah, I was a little surprised it was that early in the season, although I forget who it was somebody if, if you're listening tweet at me and i'll give you a shout out somebody hinted to me on twitter that this was uh the game or they said that it was early in the season and it was against it wasn't against the team with a throwback jersey because they already had a throwback jersey um so that i, I was I, I had assumed it was going to be the boston game even though it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me uh for the reasons yeah. you mentioned um because it is so early in the season um and you think like oh it'd still be kind of a high but but i don't know i mean i feel like a lot of times I've always, I'm generally always surprised how quickly sort of indifference sets in towards the Bucks in Milwaukee. Like it, it seems like as soon as you get past opening, like the opening weekend, that you know the crowds start to suck in the midweek games. Yeah. And you, it's not just in January, so so I don't know. We'll see. But um, but I am bummed. I pro- presumably can't make it back for uh, for the Mecca game. That was uh, I think we talked when we talked about that was the game that 
I would have most liked to come back for just to experience that as someone who um, has only been to games at the Bradley Center since the early 90s. So um, I'm sure that'll be awesome. And, and the second time that the Bucks will be seeing the Celtics um, in the first week of the season after they uh, open the season against them as well, presumably getting the first look at Gordon Hayward in a Celtics uniform and pr- probably Kyrie Irving in a Celtics <laughs> uniform. Um, that's, yeah. that's a whole other podcast, but I, I assume that that deal will will still go through in one form or another. But um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully they can catch the Celtics uh, early in the season before uh, before they hit their stride. Or if 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 the trade is is reversed, then well, hopefully Isaiah. Well, I don't want to say hopefully because that makes it sound like we want Isaiah Thomas to be hurt. But um, it sounds like Isaiah Thomas won't be necessarily at full speed here to start the season. So um, probably a good time to catch the Celtics and the Cavs, uh, who they have on opening night. So. Um, hopefully they get a fast start at trying to win those 48, 49, 50-win games, 50 or 50 wins that, that we hope to see them get this year. Uh, I think the other news from the day would have been Jabari Parker was the current buck that was asked to help out with this. Uh, so got to talk to Jabari a little bit after uh, the unveiling and all of that. And I guess there was some cool kind of history stuff. Like Jabari mentioned that he didn't know that Johnny Mack had the first bucket in Bucks history, which... I guess makes sense because he probably doesn't listen to Bucks broadcasts that mention it regularly. Um, so I, I guess that would make sense that he didn't know that. Uh, he was talking about how his dad got to play in the Mecca, and now that'd be kind of cool that a son and uh, father would get to play in the same arena because um, as quickly as arenas get overturned now, other than really Madison Square Garden, like it's just not a thing that really happens. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and then I think the question that is always on everyone's mind is, what does Jabari look like? How was he? Did he shoot around? No, he did not take any jumpers in uh, in the UWM Panther Arena. Uh, asked, we asked how his rehab was going. He said, let's see, you've just got to be there to see me. Come visit me one day. I get lonely in that gym, which was followed by a lot of laughter um, from the assembled media. And then I'd asked if he's going stir crazy at all not being able to to play because obviously he, he can't do that quite yet and he said no i'm not because anything is better than being on crutches also greeted with some laughter as well there so um i, I guess some good stuff for jabari just to kind of see just to see him uh smile and talk and be a human being that's obviously kind of a good thing and then just kind of getting to hear how his progress is going because we're probably getting close to the half-ish waypoint um, if you're looking at about a year for an ACL recovery. So we're probably getting to that point, but uh, sounds like everything is going good, but I think it would be really tough to know much more than that at this point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just like we saw like last time, right? It's just going to be a waiting process, and you just hope that Jabari comes back when he's ready to come back. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, the reality is uh, with the target of roughly coming back probably around the All-Star break uh, and what we saw from both Jabari and other players, it's it's hard to come back and just, you know, be yourself right away. Um, so difficult to count on a lot. I think that's, that's certainly, we didn't mention it, but that's sort of, I think, baked into a lot of our assumptions as far as, you know, how many wins the Bucks are going to have this year, what they're going to look like probably isn't going to incorporate, you know, Jabari Parker being a major contributor. But again, you know, Jabari Parker is still trying to figure out how to be a real, you know, high level NBA contributor, even before he went down with the injury last year, you know, the defense and all those other questions. So we won't, we won't relitigate that at this point, but um, you just, you know, good to see Jabari 
smiling, as you said. And um, I guess we'll see. We'll see if they actually let you go watch him work out. I feel like Jabari said that. <laughs> and then, um, the PR team was probably like, oh, we don't actually want these guys showing no, up at Jabari, our doorstep. That's not a good idea. Um, but uh, I will say this. I'll reiterate. We, we forgot to mention it during the uh, stuff about the, the jerseys. Uh, it sounds like there was a growing movement, and it sounds like there's some enthusiasm from you and Matt Velasquez. Um, oh yeah, we're down. We're down. It, the the challenge was for the uh, for you guys to also dress up in retro uh, newspaper slash news guy uh, media look. So um, my only demand is that you wear a uh, I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if that's technically a fedora like a pork pie hat. You know those like hats <laughs> yeah. that um, the old media you know they have like the little press. Uh, credentials tucked into the hat that I need to see Eric name wearing one of the, I normally am not a fan of random dudes wearing fedoras, but especially in groups, especially groups of fedoras, you know, no more than one per group. But uh, if you and Matt and uh, whoever else is down for it uh, wants to all kind of go old, old style uh, news guy um, at, uh, at that game, I would strongly encourage it. I already said I would give you a hundred bucks to go dress up as an old school news guy. So um, I, I will, I will be good to my true to my word. So um, hopefully the, uh, the players won't be the only, people uh wearing those jerseys by the way we didn't talk about it because we don't care that much um do you like those jerseys do you are you are you a fan would you have preferred other jerseys do you have any strong opinions about this i know we talked about maybe they would go with with later jerseys like 80s jerseys since they'd already done these a few years ago but i don't know what were your thoughts i wanted the 80s jerseys i would have preferred the green version of the jerseys that we saw today but with all that being said, those white jerseys are really clean, and they look really good. So I don't really have any problems. Yeah, I was gonna say I think the, um, I think the pushback is, would have been because they basically wore these exact same jerseys like what five years ago. There's, um, yep. you can still go find Brandon Jennings versions of the 1971 Hardwood Classics jerseys they wore about five years ago. They wore them for a few games, and yeah, I think they they're clean is a good way to describe them. Um, I know, I mean, I'm not a big red trim fan. In general but i think on these jerseys they still work um i thought maybe they would go with the green ones as you suggested just because they did the white ones not that long ago um yep. but obviously it's a home game so like i said well we need to be true to sort of the old school maybe the retro you know white home jerseys even though now obviously this year teams are going to be allowed to wear non-white jerseys at home if they want um so anyway we'll see obviously the bucks did that with their fear of the jerry jerseys as well so um so yeah but i think they're clean um I think the, the 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 number font is a little bit chunky for my taste. That's I'm getting okay. really in the in the nitpicking. And I was actually thinking like, oh man, I think I like the old the ones that that they wore during the Jennings era more. And then I kind of finally found some Google pictures, and actually they looked like pretty much the same. So I don't know. Like we said, and they're just jerseys. They were You just have such fond memories of the Brandon yeah, Jennings era exactly. that I was just like, exactly. oh, that's what I wanted. Andrew, Andrew Bogut and Brandon Jennings forever. So, uh, so I, yeah, I think those, I think those are really nice. Um, and honestly, I, you know, uh, our our video producing friend Elijah Price from Twitter, uh, he's been doing a bunch of polls on on jerseys, um, seeing which jerseys from Bucks history people like most. I've actually been surprised that those green '80s jerseys have been as popular as they were. Um, I don't know. I, I was had I was happy to see them go in the early '90s, even though it was for the purple jerseys. Um, so I, I actually, honestly I don't think those have aged that well. But it seems like a lot of people like those early '80s jerseys. It would have been interesting to see them, just because we haven't seen them really since I guess '92. I want to say yeah. something like that. So, um, so anyway, 
interesting uh always interesting to add a little bit of wrinkle and uh, we know dj wilson will be wearing the short shorts uh we'll see if anybody else dares to wear the short shorts on october 26th i i do remember i actually was annoyed at this years ago i don't know if you remember this the lakers and celtics played a game and they did i mean again like retro jerseys for lakers and celtics aren't really that different but um I remember the Lakers actually wore short shorts in that game, and the Celtics then did not. This was when at KG and Pierce, it was against Kobe's Lakers, mm-hmm. and Kobe and company came up with the short shorts. The Celtics did not, and then in the second half, I think the Lakers switched back to regular shorts because I think they were bitter that the Celtics didn't wear the short shorts. So I say, Bucks, go short shorts and just stick with them. Just forget <laughs> who cares whether the Celtics go with the short shorts or not. Just roll with them. Um, I feel like most of the team would be down with that. Like yeah. there's, they're all younger guys, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the move with young guys. So I, I that wouldn't shock me if the Bucks would be down with that. Um, other thing I was gonna say, I'm down to do the old timey uh, press person stuff. I'm gonna need some help assembling uh, an outfit, but I'm down with it. I think Matt and I text it back and forth a little bit i think he's down with it as well so um i think we there would be some interest there and uh that could end up being quite a bit of fun for the mecca game on october 26th other piece we, we may we may need to solicit some some help i guess if, if you need some wardrobe help i don't know if anybody <laughs> out there has 70s and this is early so see this is kind of the question right do you go like polyester sort of like 70s yeah. bad so bad it's good or do you go with like classic news newsman guy um so i don't know people, it's a really people tough need dilemma to, I w- people I w- need to pe- i don't know what your measurements are but you're what like six two so people yeah. people who who might have some clothes that could fit <laughs> um should should tweet at you and, and offer up their their stylistics uh offerings and uh, i don't know if we got any tailors out there but we gotta we gotta we gotta get eric looking good for that game <laughs> uh i think the other news of the day matt velasquez tweeted out that the bucks are going to be holding a 16 player free agent mini camp uh today and tomorrow and uh friend of the pod and listener of the pod jesse hardacre had tweeted out yesterday that uh he had seen i'm trying to think who he all saw perry jones james young and trey burke uh in the airport yesterday and uh, they said they were here to work out for the bucks which at the time i was confused by and couldn't really piece together in my mind um but now that makes more sense so they were three of the 16 players at the pre-agent minicamp and uh, matt has those listed off as cliff alexander grayson baka excuse me baku manya uh who the bucks actually drafted in the g league expansion draft marshawn brooks trey burke trisson burrell tony douglas jeremy evans archie goodwin aaron harrison rg rj hunter excuse me john jenkins perry jones luke petrasek jacob pullen hashim to beat and james young so uh 16 players there i think a number of players that at one point or the other we've discussed on the pod because either and this would include the history of the brew hoop pod as well I, there's some guys that are first rounders in there or at least guys that we discussed around bucks picks i know rj hunter was a guy that we had some conversations about Marshawn Brooks even earlier than that. We had talked about um, Trey Burke when in kind of the same area as Giannis. I don't know if anyone was really uh, campaigning for Trey Burke at any point. Um, Archie Goodwin, I think, has been discussed before. Um, trying to think. James Young was a guy that was discussed before. Perry Jones as well. So uh, some interesting names, um, and maybe those are guys that end up 
working out with the G League and uh, guys that the Bucks can sign and maybe end up being contributors at some point. But I certainly thought some interesting names there. Yeah, it was like a who's who of like, you know, random dudes that once were much more highly touted or well liked yeah. or had promise and then, you know, just sort of fell by the wayside. You know, so guys that that hardcore fans are going to be excited about seeing and, you know, taking flyers on. So I don't know. It is interesting to see because I think the, and again, we, you know, we're all kind of new to the G league stuff. I think, I mean, I think the rule is if you bring a guy into camp and then end up not signing him to an NBA contract, um, if he goes to the G league and he's not already, you know, his rights aren't already with an existing team, then um, he'll default to your team. Uh, again, he can go sign with an NBA team, you know, if another NBA team wants him, but you would at least have him on your G League team. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, do any of these guys get camp deals with the idea of then having them default to um, the herd in the event that they were to play in the D G League? You know, maybe that's, you know, part of the, the thinking here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, all these guys, you know, I mean, are these guys the guys that are, would help the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the NBA this year? Um, probably not guys at this point you would expect to make any real type of meaningful impact. You know, Trey Burke's been terrible for a few years now. Um, and, and again, a lot of these guys, too, it's like the Bucks really don't need any. I mean, I think the only position that you might look at and say you could use a little bit more help would be like a combo guard, um, which is, again, partly why I keep talking about Jason Terry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like. I mean, Perry Jones, you know, like, does Perry Jones, does Perry Jones, like, have a role on this Bucks team? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he doesn't even look like an NBA player at this point. Um, so, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't, I don't think there's anybody here I would expect to see play any minutes for the Bucks this year. But, um, you know, always good to kind of do these things and just sort of gather some data and, you know, understand where guys are. And maybe that guy can help you in the D League, G League. And maybe if he helps you in the G League, maybe he's a guy that, you know, down the road uh, has some role to play filling in for an injury or something like that at the NBA level, too. So um, no, no, no harm from from looking at these guys. But again, I would not count on seeing anybody, uh, you know, stick around in Milwaukee. Maybe maybe we do see him in camp or something like that. It was funny. I had a couple people on Twitter be like, oh, why would you look at blank person? I was like, for a G League tryout, like you're upset that the Bucks are looking at. I don't know whatever NBA player you don't like from this list for a G League trap. Like, come on, no. Like, they're doing their due diligence. Like, I, I think it was a shame to be. It was like, uh, how are you gonna be upset that they didn't even sign him? Like, they just brought him in for a free agent mini camp, and you're gonna be upset? Like, couldn't be me. Um, so I think that's gonna be it. I think we covered everything. We got the news. We got uh, win projections and vegas over unders so i think we knocked out all that i think we're good for the day unless you have any problems with that frank i think we're gonna wrap it up that was frank madden i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks and we'll talk to you later this week